How many of you know we live in a world filled with darkness? How many of you are stressed out about the stage looking like this? How many of you are stressed out that your pastor looks like this? If light symbolizes God and goodness, if light is all that is filled with life and delight and that is pleasant and pure and holy, darkness certainly denotes everything that is anti-God, that which is wicked and painful, depressing. It represents judgment, death, and suffering. The last song that we just witnessed illustrated That the world is filled with individuals who are crying out for help in the midst of their darkness. Maybe that's a bit dramatic for you. Someone may be saying, yeah, that's that life. Those are those people. I don't have graffiti where I live or I don't eat out of a trash can or I'm not homeless or I'm not addicted to drugs. But isn't it a reality that every person here has faced or is facing darkness in your life? I'm not not casting judgment. I'm, I'm acknowledging reality that somewhere in your life, in your family, in your children, in your grandchildren, somewhere in your circumstance, there's an area that just seems as though God is unin. As a matter of fact, you might say what the graffiti says about certain things in your life. God is nowhere here. I don't want to, I'm not, I want to over-dramatize this this morning. The real, the real purpose of, of our uh, time together this morning is to really reflect on this question. Does the, the idea, the reality, the story of Christmas, the baby that came in a manger, the jingle bells, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Valley View Mall traffic. Uh, no, that's actually from the other place. That has nothing to do with Christmas. That's from hell. But anyways. Uh, but no, no, seriously. Does, does all the, the cultural trappings that we know, do all the things that we celebrate, the stories, the scriptures, all the, the things that go, some, some, uh, all of those things that we know, do they have any relevance to your life? Do they have any relevance whatsoever to your darkness? I don't want to over-dramatize and say, oh, everybody's a mess. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we all know that we face things in our life that are darkness. Darkness of sickness and poor health. When doctors tell us things that change our life in a moment, change our plans, change decades of plans, when doctors give us information, we go, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't what I was thinking. It's darkness. It's a part of the fall. As a matter of fact, if, if the Garden of Eden was anything, it was a time when darkness came. God created the earth. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. It was perfect. It was beautiful. It was righteous. It was holy. It was everything glorious and wonderful. There was no sadness, no sorrow, no sickness, nothing. And the power went out. The spiritual power went out. Don't you hate it when the power goes out? And darkness went like a cloud across this earth. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that death has passed from one man because all have sinned. And now all, ha- all will die. And so there's this dark cloud. And, 
And the reality of it is it's permeated your life in the area. Every one of us, it's permeated us in the area of sin because we're all born sinners. But even those who've been redeemed by the grace of God, it's permeated your life. Darkness like sickness and health and shattered faith. Wrecked relationships, isolation and fear, financial pressure and failure, depression and discouragement, addiction and defeat, failure and sin, and probably a million more that I can't list or don't know. Not a week goes by in your life Certainly not a week goes by in my life where I don't come face to face as a pastor, get real up close and personal with someone's darkness. Maybe it's a family dealing with the the news of some terrible illness. Maybe it's standing with a family at a time of loss and death. Maybe it's a man standing at the end of my desk as he did just in recent days and tears streaming down a grown man's face saying, I feel so lost. And hopeless. Maybe it's the tears, the bitter tears that fall down the cheeks of a precious couple who not, not infrequently sit in my office and say, the jobs are good, we've got this, we've got that, but there's, it's not good between us. And they go on, they take their kids to school, they come to church, they do, but there's darkness. I want to ask you a question this morning. What's your darkness? And then I want to follow it up with this question. Does Christmas have any relevance to the difficulty in your life? Or is it just another time for people to exploit us all, play goofy music, while all the world really is in, as we witnessed on the video or we see in the drama, well, the world is really suffering, and yet we put it, we fake it for a month, sing nice songs, pass out gifts, ho, ho, ho. Is there really any relevance to your trouble and the coming of Jesus as a baby? The world's in darkness, isn't it? Read the news or watch the news or don't. I, I, anything that... You know the world is bad when Pastor Troy's watching Hallmark movies. <laughs> Forgive me, everybody. Any guys can relate to that. I n- I've never watched one. I could tell you the storyline to every single one of them. <laughs> she goes with the poor janitor over the snotty banker every time. Every time. No, I have watched that. I've Actually, my wife and I kind of watched one the other night, baby, didn't we? I got to do better. But I don't want to watch the news. Right? You with me? What's on the news? It's something utterly devastating beyond our ability. And, and Oh, my goodness. And then if it's not that, it's polarized, ridiculous, over-dramatized, sensational perspectives on the news from one persuasion or another. Whatever happened to the news? Well, they told us what happened and they didn't tell us what to think. 
The news, the world is a mess, and that is a reflection of the darkness that is in our world. We, we are looking for ways to get leverage on someone. We're looking for ways to point fingers. We're looking for ways to castigate. We're looking for ways to promote ourselves and make ourselves better. This is the world we live in. Not to mention all the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the fires and the tragedies and all the wickedness and evil that goes on. I believe... Let me tell you this. I, I threw this in this morning to, to illustrate that the point, how dark the world is. I, if, if any of you know the name uh, Pete Davidson, this was just news this morning. Pete Davidson is a 25-year-old comedian on Saturday Night Live. And at 25, when you're on Saturday Night Live, I don't, I don't know that world real well, but that, I'm, I'm thinking that's at the top of the food chain. You've pretty well arrived, right? Last night, he, he, in the evening, he posted on Instagram, I don't want to be on this earth anymore. They sent the police to his house, and he was okay. And he appeared on Saturday Night Live, they said this morning. I don't stay up that late, and I don't watch that show, but he appeared there last night. And, and he, had, he went on to say, almost cryptically, that, you know, I'm doing the best I can, but, but, if, but basically, I told you, I warned you. Why would a 25-year-old? Who has the world by the tail. Why? Because this world is full of darkness. I believe the world is not unlike the world when Jesus was born. You say, Pastor Troy, what do you mean by that? I really believe we're living in days that are parallel and similar to the days. And I'm talking about the the. The, the thinking, the culture, the, the, the worldview, and, and the way we see the world. Because the Jewish people in the days when Jesus appeared on earth, it, these, these were difficult, difficult days for the Jewish people. I told you a couple weeks ago when we preached from Luke chapter 1 on the story of Zechariah appearing into the temple and the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. I told you about how the Lord had not spoken for 400 years. And he speaks to Zechariah, and in speaking to him, it's a word from the Lord, and it's a big deal to Zechariah, who's an old man, he's a priest, been doing this his whole life. But for 400 years, for centuries, they had not heard from the Lord. One historian, a Jewish historian said, Judaism, at the time of Jesus, is more properly designated as Judaism's. Because the religion of the Jewish people had, had become schismatic and it was divisive. And there was all kinds of crazy rules. It was legalist. It was outside in. It was, it was force and fear of religion. Not only that, for centuries they had been subject to other kingdoms. To go back in history, if you think of the last verse in the Old Testament and the first verse in the New Testament, there's about a 400-year gap between the last verse in the Old Testament and the first verse in the New Testament. And during that 400-year span, which is not, it's not, we don't have scripture from that period, but we have history. But prior to that, they had been, they had been subject to the Assyrians. In 586 BC, they had become subject to the Babylonians. In 333, if you know anything about your history, you know of Alexander the Great, perhaps a, one of the greatest generals to ever live besides General Hogel, who's here this morning. <laughs> Alexander the Great came to power in 333. And, and, and the Jewish people became subjects of the Greeks. And only 10 years later, he passed away, and 
His kingdom was divided amongst three of his leaders, and two of those leaders became, became at odds, obviously, fighting over territory. And the Jewish people were straddled between those two leaders, fighting for 150 years, subject. All the while they had the Old Testament. All the while they had the stories of, of, of the great things that God had done. All the while they had the promises of the, of the uh, prophets that said, there's coming one who's going to sit on the throne of David. And they were singing the song much like they sang this morning. Oh, come, oh, come, somebody deliver us. Darkness was pervasive. Bondage, corruption. In 63 BC, if you know history, you know that the Romans replaced... The, the empire of the Greeks. And the Romans took over Israel in 63 BC. A few years later, they put a man in charge of that part of the world by the name of Herod the Great, who was himself so brutal, he killed his own family members to maintain power. When he heard from the wise men that they were, going to, they were looking for a king that was going to be born amongst the Jewish people. You know the story in Matthew 2 where Herod the Great decla- decreed that every baby born in a Jewish descent two years and under had to be murdered. I mean, this is the kind of leader. The Romans had full control over the Jewish people. They made some allowances for the Jewish religion. They made some certain things you didn't have to do on the Sabbath, but But they were brutal dictators over the Jewish people. Assyrians, Babylonians, Greeks, Romans. The religion was a mess. The religion of the Jewish people was of no consolation to them. The culture was a mess. Politics were a mess. Does that sound familiar? We got a lot of religion in this world, don't we? Here's the question. Fundamentally, here's the question. Does it matter that Jesus was born to your darkness? We talked about it last week. Zechariah goes to the temple, 80-some years of age. No word from the Lord, doing what he's always done. Making the, the angel of the Lord appear, says, you're going to have a son. Hallelujah, except it's hard, Lord. We're in the, my wife and I are in our 80s. And that's a rare answer to prayer to an 80-year-old couple that you're going to have a child. (laughs) Only two I can think of, Abraham and Sarah and Zechariah and Elizabeth. You're going to have a son. He's going to be of the spirit and the power of Elijah. That means the nation's going to have a prophet. And he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. That means the world's going to have a savior. How many of you know that in one prayer, God can answer every prayer you've ever prayed? In one prayer, God can answer every prayer you've ever prayed. You're going to have a son. The nation's going to have a prophet. And the world's going to have a savior. He didn't believe that. He, he, he was human. He had some unbelief. And a part of that story that we didn't look at a couple weeks ago is the Lord struck him with the inability to speak. And he gave his wife a precious gift for her entire pregnancy. He didn't talk to her. <laughs> the Lord gave his wife a precious gift. And in the last part of chapter 1 of Luke's gospel... They said, the baby's here, what are we going to name it? And, and Elizabeth said, we're going to call him John. And the people said, you don't have anybody in your family named John. And they said, Zachariah, what are we going to name the baby? He couldn't speak. And he wrote down, his name will be John. And the Lord opened his mouth and he began to speak. And this is what he said. And I'm going to read this, uh, Mikkel, like I did last time. And then we'll come back to it. This is, these are the words that he spoke 
at the end of Luke chapter 1, which tell us the significance of Jesus to our darkness. Verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. What do you hear in in this paragraph that we're reading? What you hear is you hear, there is hope. There is finally hope to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Don't you love the meat of what Zechariah is saying here? He's not saying, oh, this is going to be so sweet. We're going to have a Christmas tree. He's saying, this is going to change my life and change the world. This is hope. This is hope. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, speaking to his son. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. You will give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Now listen, it's important to know that he was speaking a prophetic word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because if Zechariah would have been speaking in the flesh, he would have said, You, son, are going to prepare the way of a general who's going to sit on the throne of David. And we are going to knock off the Romans completely. But notice he doesn't say anything about the Romans. He says, you're going to give knowledge of salvation to the people. How many of you know that's what we really need? We need knowledge of salvation. And you're going to talk about forgiveness of their sins. How many of you know we need to be forgiven of our sins and we need to have the knowledge of the forgiveness of our sins? Verse 78, I love these two verses. This is actually where I started on this sermon, but God gave me a snow day and I added to it. Verse 78, listen to this. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Anybody here this morning need the sunrise from on high to shine in your life? This is Christmas. Listen to what he says. To give light to those who sit in darkness And in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Listen, my friends, your your life, dark area, you might feel like God is nowhere. You might watch the news and feel like God is nowhere. You might see the world and all that's going on and think God is nowhere. But I got news for you. The, The message of Christmas, the really essence of Christmas is simply this. There is hope. No, I'm talking about your situation. I'm not talking about the Babylonians anymore. I'm talking about your Babylon, Babylonian. I'm talking about your darkness. You know that thing that you think is hopelessly dark? No, no, no. The reality is that the fact that Jesus Christ came as a baby into this world and was born, that, rea- that fact means there's hope for you. We're going to hear a, we're going to see a video in a few minutes of a couple girls that are going to be baptized with some, along with some children this morning. 
And I know these girls, and they don't go into detail in their video for, for obvious reasons, but I know these girls. I've known them for a really long time. And if it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it wasn't from, for the sunrise from on high, they wouldn't be here this morning. And I got news for you, neither would I. But you re- see, in the darkest, deepest, saddest moments of life, here's the reality. This is, this is the message of Christmas. I thank God for all the candy. I thank God for all the trappings. I thank God for all that. I love it. It's fun. Glorious. But here's what it really means. It means pull aside all of that and realize that that life changes my life. I was sitting, as I, as I always, almost always do, I like to contextualize my sermon by doing this. I like to go to a public place. And it's often Starbucks. And I like to put my PowerPoint together at Starbucks. And the reason I do that, because I'm interacting with my sermon and I'm thinking, and I want to do it in a public place because I want to contextualize it and see if it works, see if, the, see if what I'm preaching is not just some subcultural conversation that we've created amongst people of uh, like mind and like faith. I want to go somewhere where they're just totally random people who might confront you, but just not, not, not to engage them as much as just sort of pray and think, does this... Lord, is this the word? Is this, is this really what you're saying? And, and, and this week, I was sitting in Starbucks doing that very thing, talking about this subject, reading this scripture, working through this, and in front of me was a homeless man. And behind me was a homeless lady. I know the guy in front. I've seen him many, many times. I've seen him usher him out of Starbucks. I'd never seen the lady behind me. But they were, they were sort of panhandling and, and, and people were buying them stuff over the course of the hour, the hour and a half that I was there. And the question I, the question I really asked myself sitting there is, does the Christmas message matter to that person and that person? And the reality is it does. It really, 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 really matters. There's no marriage that is so broken. There are no children that are so wayward or apostate. There's no sickness that is so deep that God can't, in the middle of that, bring hope. That's the meaning of Christmas. That's the meaning of Jesus coming. Let me just mention a couple things. There's hope. Zechariah tells us there's hope because God always shows up and God always keeps his promises. Amen, Brandon. Yes, he does. Thank you for that. I needed that. These are the words of the prophet Zechariah for this moment, for his moment, and for his day. But they are also a reality for our moment and for our day. The promise of the Messiah was not merely a national political promise that would be subject to that day and time. It was a promise for all people and for all time. Jesus would be on the throne of David, but he would not be limited as a Jewish military political king. What Zechariah was realizing in these moments is that God, God always comes through. He's celebrating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said, blessed be the Lord God. He's visited and redeemed us. He finally showed up. He's kept his promise that he spoke to Abraham, the covenants that he made. He's done it. And it hadn't happened yet. Jesus wasn't born. They were still subject to the Romans. But he was rejoicing in the reality that the promise of God was absolutely certain and that the presence of God was soon to be there. And I got good news for every single one of you this morning. You can take to the bank the promises and the truths about God's word. 
There is, a, there is a overwhelming sense in this world of skepticism and cynicism. But I want to tell you something. The men and women who are going to experience the blessings of God are the men and women who are going to hold fast to the promises of God. Trust in faith, in, in faith believing that God's word is true and hang on to it for, their, for themselves and for their children and for their children's children. This is, the, this is the reality. God always, when Jesus appears in a manger, here's what it means. God said something hundred years of, hundreds of years ago, and he kept his word. What has God promised you? What has God told you? What has God said to you in his word? Can I tell you this morning, we need men and women who are faithful to stay, to hang on to the truths and the promises of God's word. You say, I don't know, it's been so long, it's been so crazy, it's getting worse, it's not getting better. Do not give up. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on. Here's, here, if, if Christmas means anything, here's what it means. God don't lie. If Christmas means anything, it means God doesn't lie. It means God will show up. God will keep his promise. God will deliver. You keep being faithful. You keep being obedient. They were, they were faithful for 400 years. However many generations that might be, they were faithful, men and women who were faithful. And then all of a sudden, it appeared to Zechariah. And instantly, he didn't say, hey, great, we're going to have kids now. He said, oh, my goodness, God has redeemed his people, and he's kept his promise. God always keeps his promise, and that means there's hope. Secondly, we can, as you continue to read that, there's hope because God's power is greater than our biggest problem. He, he began to talk about God saving them from their enemies and delivering from them from the hand of those who hated them, that they were going to be delivered from those who were ruling over them. And, and Zechariah was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he, he, he understood it in a limited way from a human perspective as best he could, but he didn't understand it fully. And what, what he did not fully understand in, in his own human limitation was that God was sending a deliverer who was not going to solve a uh, historical, military, political problem that was going to be framed in this period of history. God was sending a deliverer who was, going to, who was going to solve the greatest problem of mankind in all of human history once and for all. Jesus could have come as a, as, a, as a Jewish leader. He could have risen to fame. He could have taken authority. They could have had another revolt similar to the one that happened under the Maccabean revolt a few years before this. And they could have had 80 years of peace, kind of like they did a couple hundred years before this. But Jesus didn't come to do 80 years of peace. He came to set peace on this earth. And the power that Christ the power that Christ has brought into this world is greater than any problem you face. Here's, here's my word this morning. My word is simply this. The reality of Christmas is that whatever you're going through, you trust God, you seek God, you stay faithful to God, and God will deliver. He is certainly able to deliver. Amen? I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but this is the message. Someone needs to know what Isaiah said. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. As you continue to read, we see that there is hope because God's power is bigger than our biggest problem. But we also see that there is hope because God's plan is to produce in us his will. Listen to what he said. He says that this is what, this is, and this was, a, this was insight beyond Zechariah's ability to comprehend. Here's what he said. He said, this is the ultimate solution to the world's problem. 
that we might serve him not out of fear, but out of love and affection for him. You see, the Old Testament had been, had been established on the Old Testament law. There were the Ten Commandments and all the law of Moses. And Ezekiel said that there's coming a day, Ezekiel prophesied in the Old Testament, there's coming a day that God said, I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to put my spirit within you and I'm going to write my laws on the fleshly tables of your heart. And the Old Testament was all about don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. And then you just sort of lived under this code that you were humanly incapable of, of really complying with. But he said, no, no, no. He's coming, Christ has come, and he's bringing real hope because we're not going to have to serve him out of fear anymore. We're going to serve him out of love and devotion because he's changed us from the inside out. Some of you want to reform your family member, don't you? Oh, I just want to make them do this, and, and, and I'm with you. I've got people I'd like to reform too, starting with myself. The reality is there's no hope in that. Some of, you, some of you are trying to reform yourself. I'm going to do better. Can I tell you, there's no, you have no power to do that? I, I mean, I think you ought to do the best you can and, 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 and make good choices as much as you're able. But what you really need is you really need the Holy Spirit of God through the power of the resurrected Jesus to get inside of you and change you from the inside out. That's what you really need. This is, guys, this is huge because this means that that totally rebellious, unbelieving child, grandchild, spouse, neighbor, coworker, it means that God can get up and God can do a 180 in their life. Do you know that this morning? God can transform us from the, we would serve him without fear. We would serve him in holiness and righteousness. You know, what was, uh, does anybody recall what the message, the primary message of John the Baptist was when he was preaching? His message was what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Can I just tell us that there's, there's really no hope in any circumstances in our life that are related to, to these spiritual issues that we're, there's no hope unless we Repent. And if we repent, listen, listen, if we repent, God can give us a heart that is pure and righteous and we can serve God in holiness and in righteousness. If we repent, God can really give us hope. You want hope in your family? Repent of whatever it is that you're doing that's not right. Repent before the Lord, confess to the Lord, seek the Lord's forgiveness, and he'll give you a new heart. He'll write his laws on your heart, and you won't serve him out of fear and bondage and getting caught. You'll serve him because you love him, because he's given you a new heart. That's a good word right there. And this is the hope that comes with Christmas, is that God's going to produce his will in our life. And I like the third piece of that verse, that he is going to, we will serve him in, without fear, in holiness and righteousness, all our days. God give us men and women who walk faithfully with the Lord all their days. Amen. You say, well, I'm going to do that. Well, you got to get the first two pieces right. You need to let the Lord work on your heart. Amen. You need to let the Lord change your heart or you're just going to go into a miserable church attendance mode. If the Lord doesn't change your heart, but you, the Lord can change your heart. And when he changes your heart, he can make you pure from the inside out. And then he can help you be faithful to serve him all 
your days. I don't know about you. That, to me, is the best news in this whole deal, that he can really change a person. There's hope. And let me say this in closing. There's hope because Jesus is here. In verses 78 and 79, we read it. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in dark, darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In a moment, Zechariah's world, the, the world of the Jewish people, went from God is nowhere to God is now here in a moment. And every person, every person who by faith humbles themselves before the Lord and says, Lord, come into my life. Lord, come into my marriage. Lord, come into my children. Come into my circumstance. Lord, I'm going to yield to you. I'm not saying it's an abracadabra automatic fix. I'm saying that when you invite Jesus in, which is what Christmas is really all about, him appearing into our world, he is the light that shines in darkness. When you do that, God begins to change your circumstance. There's hope. There's hope. I promise there is hope. The Bible has spoken of Jesus being the light all throughout Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Isaiah 60, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness with peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Maybe there's a prophecy of the wise men. Isaiah 58, then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard, and you shall call, and the Lord will answer you. There is hope because Jesus is here. And Jesus, wherever he is, shines light into darkness. Jesus is the mercy of God because of the tender mercies of God. Jesus is the expression of the mercy of God to each of us. Jesus is the gift from God Almighty. It is the sunrise from on high. The sunrise. From, you want to know the power of God? You need to know Jesus. You want to know the mercy of God? You need to look at Jesus. Jesus is the hope for, for those in the worst circumstances, to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, Jesus is hope. What's your darkness? I'm sitting here in my darkness. Guess what? Jesus is hope in your darkness. And Jesus is our hope for the future. He will guide our feet into the way of peace. This is one of those sermons that the altar call is a, is a gimme. I don't have to say, is there anyone here today by chance who's going through darkness? The reality is everyone sitting here this morning knows what darkness is. And here's the, here's the challenge. That Christmas this year would become more than just an event that we go through and, 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 and nice, wonderful things that we do. But that Christmas this morning, beginning even this morning, Christmas would be a radical transformation of our life and our perspective because we said, Jesus, come in and change me and shine your grace and your light in my life. 
Maybe there's somebody here this morning that has never been saved. Maybe there's someone here this morning that never, never really confessed your sin and asked Jesus to forgive you. I got news for you. That darkness can go away through the power of Christ's presence in your life. All you have to do is say, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my sin. Come into my life and take control, and I trust you completely to give me eternal life. And I cling only to you. One of, the, one of the problems is that we don't see the sun rising because we're facing in the other way. And as I mentioned a moment ago, John the Baptist preached repent, which means turn around. And some of you are not seeing the power of God in your life because you're hanging on to your sin and your self-centered ways. And you are not turning around. But when you turn to Jesus, he will give you light. Some of you are just good Christian people who are facing tough stuff. And this morning, you just need to say, dear Jesus, I need your light. I need your grace. Can I tell you this morning that the grace of God is here and is ready to be extended to you in this moment? Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together? I do not know what you're going through this morning, but I encourage you even now to begin to just pour your heart out to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. And I want, I want your light, your grace, your blessing your direction, your wisdom. I want you to guide my feet into the path of peace. I want you to show me, Lord. Let the Lord begin to work inside of you first. Don't ask him to change your spouse. Don't ask him to change your children. Don't ask him to change any other. Let him say, say, Lord, search me and know me and see if there's any way in me that needs to be corrected by your grace. And then ask the Lord to pour his grace into your life and that you could leave here today with the one thing that Christmas is really all about, and that's hope. There's hope. So, Father, we bow before you this morning. We, we confess our need of you right now, Lord. We confess, Lord, that in a room like this, there are lots and lots of people. Lord, and all of us here, every one of us in the chapel, online, wherever we may be, all of us, Lord, this morning, we need your grace. And I'm praying for the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to shine into someone's heart and life this morning in a way that it hasn't before. Lord, I'm praying that if there are those here today that have not surrendered their life to you, that they would just take this moment and say, Dear Jesus, I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. I pray, Lord, this morning as we are, as we are waiting upon you, Lord, that you would do your work in each and every heart that is here. Lord, may we leave different because we're trusting in you and looking to you and believing in you. We pray, Lord, today that you would continue to work in these, these uh, hearts and lives of all of us as we leave here today and bless us as we worship you in these next few moments. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com. Or find us on your favorite social media platform, at EastLakeSML. Thanks for joining us.